Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more author interviews and book recommendations. You can also follow us on social media at Day Beautiful on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Today's guest is the foreign rights director at a New York-based literary agency and author of a chapbook called Soft Split. Her work has appeared in Guinerica, Lit Hub, Triangle House Review, Two Serious Ladies, The Buenos Aires Review, and elsewhere. She is from Budapest and was raised in Sweden. She now lives in Austin, Texas. Her debut novel, The Nursery, is out now. Please welcome Sylvia Molnar. Hey, Sylvia. How are you doing today? Thank you, Adam. I'm I'm doing really well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing extremely well. I am so excited to talk to you about the nursery. Uh, I can't wait to learn more about you as a writer and how this book came to be. Um, tell readers a little bit about what the book's about for those just discovering it. Sure. Um, so the nursery is about a young woman who is finding it hard to leave her apartment after giving birth. Um, she's usually uh, pretty content as a translator, um, living in a, a big city and kind of mostly working from home or working from libraries. Uh, but this change in her life um, is a big sort of dramatic shift and um, kind of creates this like slow breakdown for her. And um, she's living with her husband who is sort of trying to pull her out of the apartment. Um, and she ends up befriending an upstairs neighbor, uh, Peter, who uh, is coming down to uh, to complain about the baby crying. So they develop a friendship of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, am obviously not a mother, um, but people who have listened to the podcast know that like some of my most favorite books recently have dealt with motherhood, uh, School for Good Mothers, Night Bitch, which I compared your book to just because of like the visceral feeling I got while reading it. Um, Godshot is another one. What is it about motherhood that made you want to write about about this time period in someone's life? I think it was this theme or kind of like this, also this like change in one's identity that I was interested in exploring where, you know, where is the boundary where a woman sort of becomes a mother? Um, and and also I, I found it sort of interesting that it, often before, you know, before you even give birth, um, a lot of people, you know, whether it's like strangers on the street who see you pregnant or um, just like friends and family, you know, start calling you mama or, or you know, start referring to you as a mother, even bo- even before the baby is is here. And I thought that was like sort of fascinating to to think about, you know, when when do you take on that role? Um, what you know, what does that mean to your identity, to whoever, whatever you were before? Yeah. Yeah. When when did you kind of start thinking about this book in your timeline, in your life? I started writing it um, in 2017, 2018, um, when I was pregnant with my first child. And to me, both um, the sort of the physical change was really hard to grapple with. Um, but it was I was also like this this like fascination and fixation with your body changing. Um, And then 
um, you know, starting to kind of question like what, what it meant to um, the identity that I was like holding on to mm. before that big shift. When I read the book, I, you know, I, I try not to research the author's before I read the book, because I want to go into it with just what the book is. And I was curious, like if you had, I didn't know if you had children at the time when I was first reading it, like I, you know, and I, and thinking back now it's because it, it, you nailed it. So like, I mean, I obviously, like, like I said, I've never had a child, but I, I felt so lived in the, in her body and, and, and her, her ideas of what motherhood was and, 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 yeah, it fascinates me that you started writing this while pregnant. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. I, you know, it was, it was, um, it was definitely something where um, it's not until um, I had my first baby where it actually felt like I, I wanted to write this in mm -hmm. in terms of like a novel because um, I was just kind of like taking notes beforehand, sure. kind of documenting what the experience was like. And then I also just found it sort of interesting because this idea of um, of the of you know what it means to because um, I was also writing like during the pandemic and and, mm -hmm. and what it would mean to you know not leave your house not leave your place um, and you know for us like in the real world we didn't have a choice um, you know we were you know we were forced to like stay at home but this kind of like you know, exploring the idea also of like, you know, what if you don't want to go outside of your, your house or your place and, and kind of this like internal breakdown. Um, I was also like very much like fascinated with when I was creating this, this person, this translator who is, you know, very much also like interested and obsessed with language, um, but doesn't have this kind of like maybe like a traditional background, like academic background in translation mm -hmm. or um, or is just this kind of like lonesome floater in in the world, uh, but kind of very content with like being a type of person who's just like sitting on her stoop, drinking coffee, watching people go by. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also very much keen on creating a person who you know, didn't have this like bombastic lifestyle or this mm -hmm. like super rich career where, you know, with the role of the mother coming in that um, that she's kind of like this like everyday person where even if, you know, even if that is like, even if her role as a translator is jeopardized, that's mm -hmm. still a value and that's still important to explore. Yeah. Be before this book, I know you released a chat book called uh, Soft Split. What were you writing about prior to this? Were you writing, like, was motherhood on your mind as something you would ever write about? Not really. I mean, I was writing about um, you know, heartbreaks and mm -hmm. uh, frustrations in life or um, just um, other um, other sort of conflicts and, mm -hmm. um, you know, daddy issues or you know just yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like what what many other people are kind of going through or, um and so this was just like this just felt very important to tell because I had never read anything like this before I mm -hmm. think I think there's some really interesting books on uh motherhood you know the titles that you mentioned of course but mm -hmm. but I but I think we're seeing it 
sort of now more and more, yeah. which I think is really wonderful. But but even like even back in 2018, um, for some reason, I just didn't have access to mm -hmm. those stories. Yeah, I feel I don't I don't want to call it like a movement, but there are these books now that are finally tackling motherhood in a way that I feel mainstream media shied away from for a long time tv shows movies um and, and and literature and now we're seeing this realness postpartum these stories um in ways that i don't think i've ever experienced i mean like like you just said um and, and it fascinates me in a way where it just allows like an insight i, I like to read books that i i would never experience this personally this this type of feeling but it and I said at the top, but your writing really put me inside where she, what she was thinking in a, in a way that, that really transported me into it. Um, so that's just a compliment. I like to compliment people. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Hi, there was no question there. Um, but I, I, I kind of want to talk about you and your writing and, and in your career, because, um, you know, born in Budapest, raised in Sweden, living in America, how does, each of those locations, if they do, or influence your writing, influence your reading. I think they, um, yeah, they. I think they influence me in ways where I can't quite um, pin. I mean, maybe there there are things that I can point to, but it's it definitely feels like um, that I'm standing on sort of like in this like no man's land sometimes where. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm never Hungarian enough, except my name is like the most Hungarian name you can have. Um, and I'm never Swedish enough because I was never born there. And I'm never American enough because I don't have citizenship here or like it's, it's, um, you know, this, this kind of, I think, I think identity is definitely something that I'm interested in always and exploring and reading about. But, um, but I think, I think the, the sort of nice part about sort of, of, of this kind of background is that I've been lucky enough to be able to dip into Hungarian literature or Swedish yeah. literature and obviously, you know, contemporary or, or classic American titles too. And so, so yeah, I, I, I you know, in the past, when I was a kid, I think I saw it very much as like a as like a hindrance that I didn't have a root, like a deep root anywhere. But um, kind of is what it is now, and it's it's totally fine yeah. now. So, yeah, I was just working on a written interview with a translator um, for a book that's coming out, a Latin American translator, and part of my questioning was thinking of. Like how does different parts of the globe approach literature, approach writing? And I'm curious, like what your perspective is on that? Like, do you feel like you're a Hungarian writer, a Swedish writer, an American writer, all three, none of the above? It's yeah, it's 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 a it's a very large question because I think it yeah. so many nationalities or people would view it differently because mm -hmm. depending on their background. Uh, I think I, I think I don't I don't need to like specify it until somebody else sure. need, needs me to or yeah. or wants me to and so um, so yeah I'm, I'm I, I guess like uh, the the parts that I find like very 
difficult sometimes is is to kind of stand for some some of those cultural aspects. Like if people, you know, ask me about current affairs right now, mm. I, I can find that sort of like um, just yeah, difficult to speak for that just because like I've not lived in Hungary for years, but I you know I'm kind of like keeping myself updated on what's going on there. But um just sort of things like that where I can't I can't speak for other people in that sense. When you're writing like the nursery or up before the nursery or after the nursery when you're writing, like what is your approach to it? Like when when you sit down what do you want to achieve for each session of writing? There was um, once an ex-boyfriend who gave me this advice where uh, he said that kind of like, you know, write as if like, it was it was like a cheesy thing where, you know, he was saying like, write as if there's no tomorrow or write like your house is on fire or, you know, and, and like other people have said it before. And, and I think like, you know, he was right in a way where, where, where I did feel like, at least like with the nursery that, that, that I was, I mean, I I was actually writing it for myself because I didn't have anything that was comforting me, Mm. you know, in terms of literature and so I thought that like, oh, if only I had something like this to, you know, to, to like understand like, wh- you know, what does, like, how does your body really react to, mm-hmm. to this experience? How does your mind react to it? How does it break, you know, potentially break down? I would have, I think, I think the whole experience would have been kinder to me and a lot of the sort of women at that time who actually sort of like peppered me with advice are kind of quotes that I ended up putting in there, you know? So, so this, like, there's a scene where there's a nurse who tells the the protagonist that there will be blood, you know, mm-hmm. and just like this, like this sense of like, you know, don't be alarmed if you're bleeding for weeks afterwards, um, you know, obviously with, you know, there's a limit to that, but like, I I think, um, I forgot your original question, but, oh, there's like the sense of urgency. Yeah. I did feel like I, I wanted to help others, but I also wanted to kind of use a writing advice that I actually did mm-hmm. find helpful. With, with writing in the nursery, did did it give you a better sense of like pregnancy and motherhood. I mean, like, how did it change your views? Like, that's a very broad question, but I'm just trying to think like, you know, going through such a beautiful part of life and then writing about it as well. I'm just curious, like how it shifted views or or shaped you a little bit, if it did at all. Well, yeah, I I don't think I'm like precious about writing anymore. Like, like I, I still have a very limited amount of time. And so if I want to use that for writing, I just kind of, I, I, I just kind of like have to roll up my sleeves and 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 do it and and not kind of dilly dally for mm-hmm. a bit. Or I mean, and 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 it's not to say that I don't like procrastinate, but but I think I, I value the time that I'm given now so much more 
to get it done because I don't know necessarily next time I will have it or if it's like a, um, I just don't rely on it as much as I used to before. And so um, if there's a story I want to tell, I feel like I'm a little bit more economical or, mm -hmm. or like, yeah, kind of like efficient about it. Um, and it, it may not, it doesn't necessarily mean that it kind of like works from the very beginning, but at least like, at, the, at least like I'm not shy around like, um, like getting ready to do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also want to ask, because you're a foreign rights director for a lit agency and part of Day Beautiful, I was like asking these questions because I think a lot of young writers don't know like the world of the the literary world necessarily, but what does a foreign rights director of a literary agency do? Like, what does what does that mean for the the emerging writers out there? Sure, yeah, no, um, I appreciate you asking. I remember your episode with Jonathan Escoffrey was really great, and also hmm. Laura okay. Worrell because, um, like they both like talked about their like either like the publishing process yeah. or like writing process and. I thought those those were really great. Um, so foreign rights um, people are the ones who either at an agency or at a publishing house they um, oversee the the translation rights of an author's work. Mm -hmm. And so, let's say the agency where you're represented at um, takes care of your foreign rights, they will be the one ones to approach international publishers with your book and encouraging them to to buy the, mm -hmm. buy the rights. And so they'll be in touch with Italian, French or German publishers and um, kind of they're the hands, they're the ones to put it in the hands of, of international people. Yeah. And as someone who has worked, works in like an agency, I'm curious what your path was um, to selling the book. I mean, was it easy or harder or the same? Did it have any effect on it at all? What was like your journey? Sure. Yeah. Um, the sort of technical aspect of it is that this is actually my third book that I've written mm -hmm. um, in the first one that that was sold. And so um, so I was familiar with the process and and know how kind of anxiety ridden <laughs> it can it can yeah. be. Um, but there was something about, again, like you know the the two other projects that I was working on were, like I haven't looked at them in a while. I think they're fine, but I I do I do feel like there there was this kind of like urgency behind this one that I was also very excited about. And um, thankfully, my agent Kate Johnson agreed, and um, and we worked really hard to get a good good draft out. Um, mm -hmm. And so. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, it took a little while, but um, I'm thankful that it worked out with Pantheon. So. Yeah, definitely. I love what Pantheon's doing. What were the, like, what did you need to make it a good first draft? Like that draft, well, what was missing and what kind of was put into it during that editing process? So she was, um, she, she had the best idea that um, in the, like the very first version that I sent her I actually had like a kind of like a part one and part two where um the the two timelines that you have in the book weren't braided together they were mm -hmm. separate so you first had the the experience with the protagonist you know 
becoming pregnant um, and kind of like having this like idolized idea or sort of like romantic, like, sorry, romanticized like image of pregnancy. And then you had the after mm-hmm. part and she, she came up with this really great idea of braiding it all together. And that took a long time, but I think that was, that was the best thing. And, and um yeah, I think that was like the main, the biggest sort of shift in the and or like biggest changes in the yeah. in the versions. Yeah, like I, I mean, you've you referenced other podcasts. I love just knowing how a book has changed from inception to publication because when I go back and if I read books again, I think I think of like what could it have been and it, better or worse or whatever. And it's so fascinating to me to hear that. I just love it. Um, what uh, when you're reading, what do you what do you look for? What excites you when you're reading? I I kind of like it when a book makes me a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I mean that there's there's I I and I don't I don't want to be like tricked, but I I'd be happy to kind of not know kind of what's going on or what's happening, but like the mixture of, um, you know, the, the kind of like stylistic um, approach and, you know, and, and telling a story that um, can actually be, be quite simple, but then it kind of like unfolds and, and surprises you. And um, so, so more sort of like the un- unconventional aspects of writing mm-hmm. um i heard you you made this comment in like a recent episode where you're like i don't i'm not into plot like, i'm not into <laughs> plot yeah that's true <laughs> I, I was just like what does that mean i don't know, like most, most yeah. books have plot yeah i don't need like uh, i guess like what it mostly means is i don't need uh like the story itself is great like you know beginning middle end i understand that books have plot but to me it's like the sentence the the lived in moments where it's like the scene just makes it feel more alive it doesn't progress the plot per se or i do like books that really don't have plot and it's just like winding stories about your feelings <laughs> like they're, they're out there <laughs> um yeah i i really just love when a book makes me feel like i'm in their world like i'm like with your character, like I'm in the apartment building upstairs, maybe I am that character or, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like to just feel cozy when I read and I talk about that all the time. <laughs> um, what have you been reading recently or what's on your radar? Um, so I was recently given a new book by Stephanie Bishop as this Australian writer who's coming out with Grove, um, the book is called The Anniversary, and um, it's really good. Um, I just started that. Um, a favorite from last year, I have to say, is um, Elizabeth McCracken's new book, um, mm-hmm. The Hero of the Story. Mm-hmm. Um, also kind of talking about motherhood. It's a beautiful uh, book on that. Thank you so much to Sylvia joining the debutful podcast to talk about her debut book the nursery which is out now you can find her on the internet at sylvamolnair.com at sylvamolnair at twitter and instagram uh, that's s-a-z-i-l-m-o-l-n-a-r 
You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net on all social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. <laughs>